Hello, wherever and whenever you are, and thank you for downloading the Weekly Curio Podcast. As every week, I'm Freak Show and Tell's Tom Britton. And I'm Jeff Wagg, curator of the College of Curiosity. As it has been, as it ever will be, we begin with the weekly puzzle. All right, here we go. The pitcher for the Brooklyn Dodgers was so arrogant, he claimed he could throw a baseball with such accuracy that it would stop, reverse direction, and come back to his glove like a boomerang. And he proved it. How did he do it? It is back! After 20 billion and billion and <laughs> billion of years. You know, he never said that. He actually never said billions and billions in the entire series. Which explain, by he we mean the former host of Cosmos. The sainted Carl Sagan. Uh, such a, what a great man. A great series I caught on public broadcast back when there were four channels. <laughs> yeah. And I was a child. And it was one of those things you grudgingly would watch PBS because it was mostly terrible English dramas. Right. Upstairs, Occasionally downstairs. Monty Python, and yep. that was great. Mm-hmm. Occasionally Tom Baker's Doctor Who. Yep. I didn't Afternoons. know there were Doctor Who's before. No, me either. Until no. the reboot. Now, oh, I guess there were, I guess yeah, I a didn't lot. know it was that old of a series. In the States, I only got the Tom Baker right. years. And I think only got after the third of those years. I don't think I, I, think I got the full right. run. And you had Cosmos and Nova. Yes. Everything else was crap to me as a kid because yeah, I didn't right. watch the daytime stuff. That's where they make their bones is the Sesame Street and all that. Mm-hmm. Now Cosmos is back. If you haven't heard, uh, this will be going internationally. So if you're outside the States, it'll be on Nat Geo, the National Geographic right. Channel, eventually internationally. If you're listening in the future, I'm sure you can buy it in iTunes. Neil deGrasse Tyson, yes, who is the head of the New York... The Hayden Planetarium at Thank the you. Na- uh, Museum of American... Uh, the American Museum of Natural History. He's not head. City. He's got another title. He's the chief Director. astronomer. He's the big but, head yeah, honcho. He is the HMFIC, the man. as they say. <laughs> yes. In the astronomy <laughs> business. And there's a lot of FUD online. That's what I found interesting mm-hmm. because I was trying to find out what the ratings were. Yeah. Not so much. I'm not that into media. I do a podcast in live theater. I was more mm-hmm. curious, failure or success? Yeah. Should I expect a second season? I know Fox has already paid for a full season. Yes. I heard a Seth MacFarlane interview, so we're good there. Are we going to get a number two? Good question. I looked online. Looks like they're doing fine to me. I, I compare as much as I can apples to apples. So what's the show that's been on forever? The Simpsons on Fox yep. got almost a two, a number two in the 18 to 49 demo. Their oldest running 1.96. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cosmo's first episode got a 2.08. And then a 1.95, and that's where we are in the timeline, is the second one has just aired. Not much drop-off. You know, you expect some drop-off. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, and more importantly, if they're pulling close to the Simpsons, the family guy got a three. I don't know what these numbers mean. A three of what, a two of what, I don't know. I looked at the list, and they're in the meaty part of the center of the pack. Right, and these are all time-dependent, right? I mean, these are who tuned in at that time. It doesn't count people watching on Hulu or Cosmo TV or that. Well, fortunately, Fox, we know from Family Guy, does listen to DVD sales, if they're extreme. Because Family Guy came back based on the strength of DVD sales. Yeah, it didn't help Firefly, but we don't want to get into True, that. <laughs> but the movie didn't do as well as it could yeah, have, yeah. and that was probably the last nail in its coffin. Also, yeah, actor schedules are complicated things. Mm-hmm. That I do know from doing live theater. <laughs> yes. It can be hard, even if I wanted to and had the money, to re- reassemble that particular team of Avengers. Ah. With Cosmos, because they're at a two, when you read online that it was a spectacular failure, that's just not true. The Simpsons no. is expensive to make. 
It's an animation. Mm -hmm. And unlike South Park, it's done in Korea in a house where they make a lot of them and they churn them out. Mm -hmm. South Park is still expensive to make, but a smaller team here in the States. Yeah. Cosmos probably is as expensive. Mm-hmm. I like the idea. I mean, they're getting uh, that two and that almost two translate to 5.7 million viewers and then 4.9 and a half million viewers. And I say that's about what Cosmos probably got back in the day. It, it probably is. And back then you had four choices of what you could watch on TV. Now you've got 500. Yeah, so. a failure of a show was 5 million viewers. Yeah. That show would have been canceled. Mm-hmm. You know, Three's Company and Dukes of Hazard and all these terrible, terrible shows from the oh, we 70s. Grew up with. 20, 25 million viewers. Johnny yeah. Carson got 10 million viewers a night yeah, on the Tonight forever. Show. 10 million viewers. Any show would be ecstatic. Uh, huge episodes of American Idol clock those numbers. Yeah. A late night show used to get. So everything is scaled down. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I know podcasts that get a million downloads. Oh, yeah. And, but, but look at this now. We've got Cosmos is on regular TV in a prime slot. It's a science show. It's just, it's, it's a science, it's not science fiction. Fact-based science. It is real reality TV. And it's geared a little bit towards the younger set. When I watched yes. it, I found it a little young for my taste. Yeah, I like too. the nostalgia factor. It's fine. Sure. And some certainly of I love Pixar movies, so yeah. I'm not opposed or immune to children's mm-hmm. entertainment. I loved the part where the dinosaur or the ancient ancestor climbs out of the water for yeah. the first time Tick-tock. right next to the host. Yes. Beautiful CGI, and as a nerd, I was like, wow, that that costs some bucks. It did indeed. That little guy hobbling out of the ocean (laughs) is some money. If you haven't got a chance to see it, Nat Geo runs it, Fox here in the States runs it, Sunday nights is the original broadcast time. Although we're having this discussion, too. It went up against a couple of big season finales here in the States the first week, and I can't believe people still can't time shift their programs. Yeah, Why I, does time slot matter? Why can't I put Cosmos on Tuesday at 3 a.m. and you tell Siri to go get it for you? Right. Well, you know, that's how I live my life. We're, we're cable cutters. We don't actually have cable. So, you know, what time a show's on, the only time that matters is, is if it's something we really want to watch and we can't wait to see it, like the next Game of Thrones. We will watch that the moment it airs, but we will watch it on HBO Go. Yeah, the only reason I know the time slot at all was as I was doing my little amateurish research on what are the ratings. Yes, yes. The ratings were buried in a paragraph (laughs) telling me what I just told you because of this factor and that factor and these Mm -hmm. factors and sunspots and the curvature of the earth. Yeah. The numbers may be a bit skewed this week. If you get a chance to see it, especially for the younger set, this is going to be a powerful box set for Christmas. Yes, yes it will. I'm predicting that's where Fox sees its revenues, because I'm going to get this for my nephews and nieces, definitely. It'll be, I have added content, too. I mean, one of the problems is that since they went with the commercial outlet, the shows have to be shorter, because they have to put in space for commercials. It's actually 20 minutes shorter than the original Cosmos episodes. But honestly, I think Carl would be happy with it, and thrilled that it was being on a, a broadcast to a much wider audience than the original. See the amazing French chef, six foot two with a 12 foot shoe, must be seen to be bullied. That's how I would sell Julia Child at the sideshow well, yeah. lot. She could, she could be, she was a freak uh, of sorts. Uses more butter than a human can consume. <laughs> Julia Child, the French chef, 25 cents right this way. <laughs> and here I am, the podcast host, who completely screwed up Julia Child. And so one of the things about being curious is that being corrected because you're wrong isn't that big of a deal because it just gives you new information. It still hurts. You still experience cognitive dissonance. It's absolutely true. I mean, You just learn to get over it. I grew up with Julia Child. I mean, literally, I would turn on the TV and more often than not, Julia Child would be on the TV. I have great memories of watching her with my parents. 
And I always thought she was British. She spoke with that voice. Hello, and how are you? Welcome to the French. That's, I, that's my impression of Dan Aykroyd's impression <laughs> of Julia Child. I didn't realize it was basically an affectation. And so because of that, because of my assumption that she was British, everything else made sense. She was a British spy during the war. But I right. was just completely wrong because she was as American as anybody else that's American. This is the downside of doing a fact-based, even <laughs> loosely fact-based podcast, <laughs> is that occasionally you go, wait, that's not true. And yeah. you have that moment of like what we do for wrong or what I love about QI. Mm-hmm. There are things that I don't look up because I know them. Right, I know right. these things are true. I never would have questioned it. True my whole life. And yep. then someone goes, oh, you know, there's actually uh, two moons that orbit the Earth or 12 moons right. or seven yeah. moons or whatever. And you go, yeah. what? what, what? And the Alan Davies, but it's called the moon. <laughs> the moon. And I QI understand. was wrong about that for what it's worth. but uh, <laughs> uh, They'll be right next week, then yeah. wrong the next month. This <laughs> right. is the beauty of science. Yeah, it's it's a moving target you must ever aim to hit. So if Julia Child were alive, I would apologize to her, and then she would make me a lovely shortbread, I I would hope. But Julia Child was a fascinating person. Not only did she make shark repellent to drive sharks away from the anti-submarine mines, she also had a fondness for basketball, and at Smith College was on the basketball team. Being 6'2", she had a distinct advantage, and of course, Smith College didn't like that, so they changed the rules just for Julia Child and made it so that women in women's basketball could not do jump shots, which was Julia's only thing she was good at. Dribbling and running, not a big deal. Throwing the ball in the hoop, her thing. So she gave up basketball and went and did, she did some writing and did some other things, but ended up in the OSS in World War II because she was too outside the normal parameters of human size to join the waves. That's got to be a horrible thing to hear. To have someone go, I'm sorry, ma'am, you're too far outside the normal (laughs) parameters of human size. You just cry during lunch. (laughs) What's wrong with me? She's got to come work with me in the circus for real. That's right. So then so she joins the OSS, which becomes the CIA later, meets her husband, and her husband has an interest in French cooking, and a legend is born. It's all from there. So, Julia, my hat is... Well, I don't not have a hat, but if I had a hat, I would take it off to you and apologize for my mistakes. There should be a song called What Do You Know About Koalas? What if my Australian accent koalas? weren't crap, I would do it. <laughs> it's just that guy from the Energizer commercials in the 80s. Yeah. That's it. What do you know about koalas? I That's a, it. That's I my hope accent. my Australian friends aren't listening to this. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm sure their American accent is shite, too. I'm planning a trip to Australia in January, and uh, you know, I have to be a little cautious about how I treat my down-under brethren. But koalas... Koalas, you know, what's Australian? Kangaroos, probably number one answer. Koalas or beer, number two answer. Vegemite. Veg- oh, God. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to the Vegemite. We think we know something about koalas. We think they're these soft, cuddly animals that live in the rainforest, and they're just, they just want to be held. And, you know, Americans are wrong about a great many things, and one of those things is koalas. So name a fact about koalas. You know some okay. stuff. I, no, I do. I know, uh, well, I think I know they have chlamydia. That is true. They do. And uh, the theory is that they have chlamydia to kind of, so they have a very, they have a, a big population pressure and that there's not a, much land that they can live on. So the theory is that everyone has chlamydia, all the koalas have chlamydia. And yeah, don't start that rumor about Australia, then go down there and they'll <laughs> lynch you. Once, once a koala starts to get weak, the chlamydia finishes them off and removes that competition. Oh, it's an, a predator of sorts. It's a, or a predatory mm, pressure. Right. Not for a healthy 
koala, a well-fed koala has nothing to worry about. But if they start to get sick or start to have some, you know, food issues, then they go downhill quickly because of the chlamydia. It's a very strange relationship there. Okay, I also know that they eat poop. The young, so here's the deal. Koalas eat eucalyptus, they call them gum. They, you know, they eat this, that's all they eat, and they're only specific types of leaves, and they have to be old because the young ones are filled with toxins. This stuff most Americans know. But the what to eat that, I mean, you can't eat leaves, I can't eat leaves because we can't digest it. In order for a koala to digest it, and this gets a little technical, they have a very long cecum, which is basically a big tube in their bowels that holds a lot of special bacteria that breaks down the leaves for them. And, and this, no other mammal or marsupial nope, has not like a this. cecum? Well, we, is man, there a corollary? humans have cecums, but they're little tiny things, and they're not... Okay, so this is just freakishly... One. Okay. Yeah, and so there's a problem, though, is that you have an adult koala with the special bacteria. How does that bacteria get into the young koala? And there the answer is mama koala. <laughs> the old-fashioned way? Yeah, mama koala feeds her poop to the little baby koala at some point in order to establish this bacterial colony. It's right at the weaning stage, which makes sense. Once the baby koala, you know, stops with the mother's milk, it has to get the bacteria to eat the leaves. And, well, there's a really efficient way to do that. And, uh, yeah, that's how they do it. The only other thing I know about koalas is that they're a cousin of the ravenous drop bear. They are the, Which yes, murders yes. over 7 million tourists a week in Australia, <laughs> just in Brisbane alone. Yes. 7 million people savaged by the ravaged chlamydial drop bear. Well, see, this is the funny thing, is that the image of the drop bear is actually not that far off from real koalas. That's true, yeah. <laughs> you know, these things are grumpy, and they have really sharp claws, and they They've have, been eating poop as a well, child. This, this is, would scar me for go, life, kid. too. Here's breakfast. And they have... F finish your poop, or you can't have any pudding. <laughs> right. Wait, that wasn't even close to wall. Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, Dick Van Dyke enters the studio. <laughs> and they have... They have five fingers, but two of them are thumbs. They have two opposable thumbs. So, you know, if, yeah, if you can imagine, cut off your pointer finger and replace it with a thumb and, and slide it down where your other thumb is. Now, it's not technically, it's not a thumb. It's another opposable finger, but it looks like two thumbs. So I'm going with that. They do. They have two thumbs, and uh, this allows them to grab onto branches. They hardly ever come to the ground, so they're always up in trees, and it lets them make a nice, firm grasp It gives the them trees. double on the other side yeah. to balance out the three digits. It's one of the only uh, animals that I know, in fact, it's the only animal I know of that has this. Uh, pandas have a sixth, sixth finger, but it's actually a wrist bone that sticks out. It's not really a finger. So, uh, so yeah, koalas, they do smell like cough drops. They do not get drunk. That impression comes from the fact that they need to spend 18 to 20 hours a day digesting all these leaves they're eating. And, oh, um, the thing about them being stoned off eucalyptus yes, is it not was, true? It is. They're soporific. They, they're they sleepy all the time. They yeah, sing. So are cows. Well, they're right. not exciting it, animals. Similar idea. Cows have four stomachs to do their digestion. I mean, they eat grass. That's another thing that's not easy to eat. For koalas, they just kind of eat a whole bunch of leaves and then climb up on a branch and let the bacteria break it down so they can get the nutrients, and that takes a long time. So, koalas, not your friends. Um... Happy to observe them from trees, but, you know, don't invite them in your home. I don't, this one from the Huffington Post, known as the house built by the spirits. The Winchester Mystery House is about to get a lot spookier. We could do an overnight stay in a haunted mansion. They finally changed the, the regulations there that now the mansion, and well, I'll tell you what the mansion is in a moment, but uh, the Winchester Mystery House now allows alcoholic beverages and sleepovers. Now, the media has gone crazy with this and given the impression that it's going to be turned into a hotel or they're going to have like sleepover ghost hunts. 
Nothing is planned yet. They are going to start offering alcohol there. But if you are not familiar with the Winchester Mystery House, this, this is of special note. This is one of the most famous houses in America. It, the legend, this is the legend, and I'll tell you my impression of the truth in a minute. The legend is that Sarah Winchester, heir to the Winchester rifle fortune, uh, lost her husband and daughter very young and was building a mansion at the time. And a spiritualist told her that as long as she keeps building, the spirits of all the Indians killed by the Winchester rifles will not bother her. Now, living in San Jose, California in the 1800s, this was, this, this was fields. There was nothing there except this one massive house. Of course, now it's Silicon Valley. But back then, there was nothing. And she just kept building and building and building and building. And for 30, 40 years, just kept building. And the building made no sense. There are staircases that will go up three floors, down two floors, and then up another floor. Some of them have stairs that are only an inch high. Doors open into walls. There is an amazing piece of Tiffany stained glass on an interior wall that will never, ever see sunlight. And the legend is that all that was put in there to confuse the spirits. So if they ever did get into the house, they couldn't find their way around and get her. I I can only imagine that about... 70% 70% of the time, psychics just say something and then just have to go with it. <laughs> yeah, it was like, well, oh, yeah, yeah, keep building. Now, reality is we have a very wealthy, lonely, old woman without great social skills. This is my take on what is going on there. But she's lonely. So how do you get people in your house if you're lonely and don't have great social skills? The answer is you pay them to construct things. And what this really looks like, the house was built by somebody who just didn't want to stop construction. And once she would, once she was finished, she'd build again. And at some point when you're building, you know, you have a square, if you want to build on the outside of it, the outside square has to become the inside square. So a lot of this stuff is just, you know, the doors that go to nowhere used to go somewhere, but the construction ruined them. And the staircases used to go to floors that were moved or raised. The small stairs, so, you know, there are these, they call them easy risers. There are these stairs that are only like three inches high. She had arthritis in her old old age, and those stairs went to her bedroom. So, you know, it starts to make sense if you look at it. But, of course, you know, for tourism, it's, it's haunted. There's ghosts and spirits everywhere. It doesn't matter. None of this matters. It is an absolutely cool place to visit. If you're ever in San Jose, I demand that you visit the Winchester Mystery House, and now you can do it with a beer. Or, or wine. Yeah, the only or, thing worse sometimes. than thinking you see a ghost is some drunk guy <laughs> thinking he saw, like, Swanks, run, Scoob! And then right into a wall. <laughs> right. Because he's on scotch. Yep. The other spirits have got a hold of him. Oh, I'm sure the ghost stories are going to increase dramatically. You a thousand know. percent increase. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, give me a couple of glasses of wine, put me in a yeah. room, tell me a ghost story, and tuck me in. <laughs> I'm not immune to imagination or hallucination. <laughs> right. Absolutely true. And and the house is very disorienting. There are rooms, there's a couple rooms that don't have doors, apparently. How do we know they're there? There are, <laughs> you know, there's a room there, there's no door. Those How rooms do you I know? build for people. Oh, yeah. no, it's there. Trust me. Pay me. <laughs> there, and there, the house is very strange. It's, it's almost built like a maze. Now, the, the closest analog, if you've never seen this house, would be a fun house. It's very much like a fun house, except this was this woman's home. So, enough about the Winchester Mystery House. It is changing. It is entering the 20th century, and you should go check it out. 
TCMuseum.org tells a story of ocean bottles and messages in a bottle. Wait, so we, you know, we've always had this fascination with messages in bottles. I personally do, and not just from the old police song, you know, message in a bottle. All right. So TC stands for, in this case, the well, TCMuseum.org, uh, TC stands for the Turks and Caicos, and they actually have a museum. Uh, what are Turks and Caicos? Is they're islands in the Caribbean. Oh, I see. Yes, okay. the Turks and Caicos. Yes, so they're little tiny islands. Uh, you can take a cruise there, but when you, when you get there, it's just a beach. I mean, this is literally just a beach. And a museum. And a museum, apparently. <laughs> That's it. Strangely, I was there recently on a cruise, and we couldn't even get to the museum. It was on the other side of the island, and there was no way to get there. So anyway, next time I'm going to go there because it is a museum of messages and bottles. And there's a reason it's there. It's there because the way the currents in the Caribbean are, nearly, I don't know, I can't give you a percentage, but a significant percentage of bottles thrown in the Caribbean end up on this island. It's, it's like an exchange point. It, it is. For the operator to move to the appropriate person. That's right. I'm or if you want in. to write the museum curator, it's the yep. cheapest postage you can get. That's absolutely true. You just throw an old bottle in That's the That's how sea. she gets her check every month. Yeah. Just a rush. She goes to the beach and picks it up. Now, there are stories. There are many, many, many stories on the site about people finding bottles. Uh, there's a guy that walks the beach every morning, and he's found dozens and dozens of messages in bottles. And now, here's a, a quick fact about messages in bottles. They go back throughout history, um, you know, into the Roman times. Often, they were used for uh, practical purposes, like testing currents and stuff. But... During Queen Elizabeth's time, they were used to send messages from battlefields, and Queen Elizabeth actually had an appointed position of the royal bottle opener, and that person was the only person who was allowed to open these, these anytime you found a message in a bottle, only this one person was allowed to open it. And so keep, some random peasant would see it on the beach, bring it yes, to the because royal they, bottle opener. First off, they probably couldn't read it anyway. Well, that's true, yeah. But... Uh, it was under penalty of death if they did open it. So, uh, you know, the, the royal opener of ocean bottles was an actual position that you could have. And I imagine it was pretty cushy because, you know, I don't think they were getting these every hour. So, uh, so yeah. So if you're ever in the Turks and Caicos, um, any, any of the Carnival Cruise Lines stop at Grand Turk. That's a very common place. That's the island the museum is on. If you would like to see this, and I recommend it, get away from all the touristy crap and find a cab and say, take me to the museum. It'll cost you something. It's not cheap, but it'll be well worth it because you can sit on a beach in the Caribbean anywhere. This is the only place you can see a museum like this. And all that remains is for us to thank you for downloading and listening to the weekly Curio podcast. I'm Tom Britton. I've opened a theater. If you go to thewhiptheater.com, it's WIP, work in progress, thewhiptheater.com. If you live anywhere near Chicago, you can buy tickets, or if your company wants to do a sponsorship, for example, we sell the naming rights to our men's and women's bathrooms. Ah, why not? Anything to raise money from a patron. (laughs) Uh, Until next week, this is on behalf of Jeff and I. We leave you with the answer to the puzzle. Okay, the puzzle was, the pitcher for the Brooklyn Dodgers was so arrogant, he claimed he could throw a baseball with such accuracy that it would stop, reverse direction, and come back to his hand like a boomerang. So how did he do that? He just tossed it up in the air. <laughs> that's, that's like a bar bet. It is a bar bet, that's actually, amazing. so remember that one. You can make money by listening to our podcast. Okay, Identical copies of the show notes at collegeofcuriosity.com, freakshowtell.com. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.